Uh, welcome to the Property Funder podcast. I'm here today with Sarah. Now, before we start speaking to Sarah, just want to thank you for joining us, first of all. Second of all, if you are a returning listener, thank you again. Um, but please, can you make sure that you like and subscribe and give us five star reviews uh, and give us thumbs up on uh, and follows on, on YouTube so that we can um, devote more time and give more coverage to fascinating and interesting and inspiring guests uh, like Sarah, who we have here today. Now, Sarah, um, could you give us your full name and the name of your business and tell us what your business does? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Um, really exciting to be here. Um, so my name is Sarah Stannard and I am a health coach. Um, I work in lots of different modalities as a health coach um, and uh, I'm also a landlady and have been for 20 odd years, which just seems incredible. Um, so my business, my health coaching business, I run a private practice um, helping in the main um, women going through the menopause and um, people with weight issues. Um, I get approached by lots of different people to help them, chronic illnesses, um, you know, diabetes or, or colitis or, or autoimmune illnesses. Um, so I'm helping people with their health, really. Uh, and then I run uh, and deliver corporate events, workshops, uh, well-being talks, that kind of thing. Um, well, thank you, Sarah. Thanks for that, that summary. Uh, really helpful. Um, I, I've, for full disclosure, uh, Sarah and I have been friends for, for quite a while. Our kids go to the same school. You may, you may be noticing a bit of a, a theme, but, you know, the, the, there's, there's quite a concentration of uh, a very interesting, uh, a very interesting and valuable uh, connections that, that we make through through this network. So um, I'm delighted that Sarah's come on uh, to join us now. Um, this episode is is due to be released in um, beginning of January 2024. And so perfect timing to bring someone who, on who is a, a health and well-being coach uh, around the time when everyone is uh, regretting their life choices uh, <laughs> after overindulgence around Christmas and New Year period. Um, before before we kind of get into the how you've got into being a health coach uh, and and talk maybe about the uh, talk maybe about uh, some of some of the do's and don'ts for for you know January detox. Um, you mentioned that you're a you're a landlady. You have been for the last twenty years. You, you did also mention off air that you're. Uh, currently having to go to court tomorrow to uh, to deal with a, a problematic tenant. Um, yeah, before we get into the meat of things, do you want to tell, just talk us through how that how that's come about? Because I think particularly some of our listeners, um, you know, they uh, they maybe drink too much of the sort of financial freedom Kool Aid uh, on YouTube and Instagram and 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 TikTok and don't maybe realise that um, sometimes uh, sometimes being a landlord or landlady is not a bed of roses. Oh, yeah, I hate to, yeah, I hate to sort of feel like that, but it, it has been difficult in recent times. I think the laws changed against landlords a little bit. Tenants have been much more aware of their rights. Um, and in the press, it's quite a negative towards landlords um, or landladies. So it has been a stressor. Um, I'm actually a member of the National Landlords Association and have been for about 19 years, maybe 20. Um, and uh, I had a call with them recently and they said, oh, maybe you should just sell all your properties because you keep having all these annoying, annoying, difficult tenants. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, this issue with the tenant uh, currently, um, he's been in the property since 2018. And I spoke to him recently and he said, I just wanted to live there for 10 years. 
And I just said, I'm selling it. I'm really sorry, but, you know, you can't guarantee if you're renting, you can't guarantee to live somewhere. You just, you know, you just can't. It's unfortunate to be in that position. Um, so he's refused to leave. He's had all the Section 21, or I'm sure your listeners will know, all those different um, uh, regulations that you need to do as a landlord and still refused. Um, so I went through the next accelerated process. Uh, uh, possession process uh, he's put in a, um, a defense against that and actually having read it in detail there's there's nothing there and I know the judge will just say and immediately throw it out I've had this several times um, but he's put it in for tomorrow which is actually our our children's uh, theater trip so I'm going to miss that <laughs> to go to court um, oh, and it's kind of frustrating yeah it's just so set against landlords really um, tomorrow it'll be a four to five hour drive. I'll miss a day's work. I miss my son's event. Uh, the costs involved are, you know, a lot. And there's no recompense for that as a landlord um, at all. So it's really unfortunate. But um, but hopefully they'll give him full notice tomorrow. And then and then the next stage, which is unfortunate for him, will be bailiffs. And that is uncomfortable, I imagine, for anyone. Yeah. I guess that probably, as someone who, as someone who makes a living now out of health and well-being, I can under, I can imagine that you know you probably have quite mixed emotions about, about about that process. But ultimately, you know, I know you've been trying to sell these, uh, you've been wanting to sell these the flats that you've got over there for for a little while now, and you know, as as a consequence, look at the end of the day, you 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 know, you're freeing up. I think like a lot of a lot of smaller landlords and landladies, um, because of all of the the changes to legislation, changes to regulations, yeah. um, changes around tax. Yes. Um, you know the the this you know where you've got a, a, only a handful of properties, especially when you know you live in Surrey. Margate is sort of the far end of Kent. It's not exactly the easiest easiest to manage either. Um, understandably, you know it's a situation where look, you, you just you're going to free that those properties up for hopefully some first time buyers or you know you know, maybe a young couple wanting to wanting to get their first home. Um, you know, you don't mean any bear any will ill ill will against this individual who's living there. You know, you're not doing it out of spite. You're just like, look, I want my property back. Your tenancy's come to an end. Um and, and that's the end of the story. So um yeah, for, and whilst I kind of have some sympathy for the individual that that the you know individual tenant themselves, you know, at the end of the day, it's your property and you know you've you're acting well within your rights, so um, I, I hope it. I hope it goes well. But just if you want to give people a, a sense of how long it will likely take from when you gave when the tenancy ended to when you, or when you asked them to leave to when you'll actually get the vacant possession back, and presumably it'll take what another three months from now um, to to get it back uh, yeah. at the minimum. Yeah, I believe the the if the judge gives notice tomorrow, the maximum he can award the tenant is forty two days. Yeah, but uh, we'll take him just into the new year. Um, Let me think. When did I start the process? He was supposed to be out, I believe, October the third or fourth. Um, so that would have been two months before then that I served him the notice. Um, so I guess a good six or seven months. And the process has become quicker. Um, during COVID, I did one of these, and the courts were so 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 delayed. Um, and it was months before the court date came up. Um, this one has been really very quick um, in comparison. But it's just horrible for everyone. And interestingly, well, I found it interesting because I'm a little bit in the public eye now and talking about health and um, have various ways that people can contact me. I've had 
so many tenants that have reached out to me in quite an angry, vicious way and and said, oh, I thought you were a health coach. You know, why are you evicting me or why why is this happening? And it's so unfortunate. It's it's really difficult, the whole situation. Um, but I'm not trying to, like you say, hurt anyone or, you know, it's just a it's a business. It's a business. So, um, yeah. That- something never knew would happen <laughs> yeah I, I think the you know as someone who owns as someone who owns property or what you know sort of involved in a family company that owns property um my I suppose I didn't have never I never really had too many bad experiences with re- residential tenants but I did have a couple of situations where I was in a similar position to you and the tenant didn't want to didn't want to leave or I mean technically she want she basically said well she wanted to go into a council house and the council couldn't provide her with home and she effectively had to be made, you know, evicted yeah. and be put out in the street proverbially um, to do so. Now, I was quite lucky that the buyer person who was buying the property from me was happy to buy the property with them, with, with this lady as a tenant. Um, so, you know, that that sort of went through and I, and I kind of got away with that. But yeah. it sort of left me with the uh, it, it sort of left me with the strong opinion that I'd much rather not be dealing with residential tenants who are members of Joe public, but I'd rather be dealing with businesses. And, and that's why I sort of, I'm much, I'm much more of a business to business type person uh, as a consequence. But I, I, you know, I, I I think it's, um, I I, I sort of sympathize with your situation entirely. And, um, you know, and, and I think that these kind of experiences are why increasingly individuals will shy away individuals not uh, who are not say professional landlords uh, will shy away from from that part of the space now moving moving swiftly on um now listeners we are we're going to be having a, a bit more of a shorter form episode today so we're going to be trying to limit this to about 45 minutes so we're going to go through uh, talk about sarah's experiences and backgrounds it may be a bit more of a quick fire way because we really want to focus on the, the health and well-being uh aspects of things today um sarah talk us through your career journey you know kind of you know late teens you know uni college uh, and and an early career and, and and just very quickly just talk us through with how you ended up as a, a health and well-being coach yeah absolutely um so i was undecided in my teens as to what to do um had uh, a bit of a difficult time during that time my father passed away when i was only 11 or 12 so it was quite a difficult stage of life um, so yeah. Teens, yeah i wasn't um i wasn't quite sure what path to take uh so i, I got a place in college um and then uh, the course was put off so it starts supposed to start in september got contacted by the college to say actually we won't be starting till end of january so in the meantime i took a took a role because I thought I, I would like to earn some money. And during that time, I just thought, actually, I'm enjoying this role. I'm earning great money. Like all my friends were in, in college and just living on the pittance. And so I just decided to stay in that role and build from there. Um, so I worked for a really great company called GK and Chep. Um, and at the age of 16 or 17, I was um, seconded to different parts of the country where I was running their uh, teams and really at such a young, young age. Um, then I decided to go traveling for a little while. So I went to the States to live there for some time. Um, I was born in the States, so I'm able to do that, uh, which is great. So I worked in the States um, and then I came back to the UK, I guess when I was around 21. Um, and literally in those days, <laughs> it's going back a while now, um, I went straight to the job center and got myself a job. Um, 
I worked for um, a logistics business and I started as an admin, sales admin girl doing some telesales um, and loved it, just flourished in the role, um, <clears throat> desperately wanted to um, um, move forward and progress. So I um, managed to get our management team to allow me to become one of the sales reps. I think they weren't keen for me to do it. It was interesting. And um they one of the sales reps was off sick for a week and I just there was clients calling in saying you know we need help da, da, da. and I said like, I'll go I'll go and my sales manager at the time was not keen at all but I persuaded him and I just just flew and uh, had such success that they uh, promoted me to sales consultant and then senior and I worked my way through the business to then become the sales and marketing director <laughs> so um I was with that company on and off because I was I, I joined them for about 10 years. Then I left and came back for about another nine years. Um, <clears throat> so I had a really good career there. Unfortunately, things didn't didn't end too well. Uh, then I joined another logistics business and I had been there about nine months when the pandemic struck. So I the business itself, the clients were ASOS, Next, um, Misguided, Boohoo, all those retailers. Um, and their business was international e-commerce. So a huge amounts of business in Hong Kong and China. And as by the time, by February, the year of the pandemic, so 2020, they were laying people off before we'd gone into furlough in the UK, before we'd even gone into lockdown in the UK. So I was laid off or made redundant. My role was made redundant on the 14th of February that year. <laughs> a valentine's day gift i know i know it was i got a, i think i got a bouquet of flowers from my husband and then i was calling him to say oh thanks for the flowers and he was like oh and i was like oh, i've been made redundant <laughs> um so it's quite it was quite bad um but um but i sat in my boss's office and just thought actually i was at the stage i didn't want to work for them i was unhappy in the role you know, listeners might have experience of this. You jump from one big role into a new role, and it and it not is not always the right one. Um, and the choice is difficult, and you think it's right. Anyway, it wasn't the right company for me. Um, and so I was kind of happy for this redundancy. There was no money to be had from my redundancy. I'd been there such a short time, um, but I saw it as an opportunity. I'd always wanted to do something different. So the next day I had an email from a client offering me a role and I, I, my husband was like, great, step straight into this role then. And I was like, no, no, no. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do um, at all. And so I started researching. I spent some time with my like thoughts, really deciding what to do. And I put two and two together, really. So during my 30s, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, which was multiple sclerosis. And from that point on, um, having had quite a terrible life health-wise and, um, and really was in quite bad shape, um, I decided that actually I would just completely um, overhaul my own health. So I went on this huge journey in my late 30s to change everything, sleep, movement, nutrition, my gut health, um, all of those areas. And so when the role became redundant and I sat with my sort of thoughts and it came to me really that actually that area of my life was so in, important to me. I'd learned so much and it was now my goal really to help people. So I, I, I actually thought about becoming a counsellor, a dietitian, a nutritionist, um, all these different areas. And then I discovered health coaching, um, which is this holistic approach to your health. Um, 
And so it just aligned perfectly with everything that I was doing and living. Um, and so I started my training. Let's think. So I was re- made redundant on the 14th of February. I started my training in May of 2020. Um, yeah, so that's why I'm here today. So I graduated about two and a half or so years ago. And and what's and what's the what's the accreditation? What's the course? What, what's the accredi- accreditation? What's the course called for anyone who's who's interested who might want to follow a similar path? Yeah, absolutely. There's several courses you can take. Um, I took the integrated uh, international inter- sorry integrated. I can't even remember the name of the course now. Integrative. Um, oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't I t- I, okay, I tell you what. What we'll do is we we'll, we nutrition. Say say that again. It's the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Okay, perfect. And we will share uh, we'll share details of that in the show notes, so that uh, so that anyone who's interested can can follow that up. Um, so two and a half years two and a half years on, uh, and I remember when you got you got it started. Um, you know, it's been quite you know, although it's mostly just you at the moment, um, it's been quite a meteoric rise, hasn't it? You know, you've gone you know you you now picked up some really nice uh, nice clients. Do you want to just talk us very quickly through that uh, that journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm quite an ambitious person. And having had the bells and whistles salary that I had um, as sales and marketing director and um, head of sales, I very much wanted to accomplish a similar amount of um, income just off my own bat from my own business, which is um, a little bit of an uphill battle. But um, I, I drew a business plan, um, got my husband on board because at first he was like, you're going to do what? Um, and uh, And it's just been really growth growth after growth as far as um, business is concerned. I started a little uh, work for um, a local authority as a health coach just while I built my private clients. So now I've got um, a number of private clients that are just regulars that I see constantly and then uh, the corporate work. Um, so I have a number of different clients that I run events for. I've set up um, a collaboration with an executive coach um, and we run workshops for corporates. Um, She specializes in uh, leadership, resilience, mindset, and I'm working on the health aspect. So when people are burnt out or they're female menopausal, perimenopausal, um, maybe even struggling with alcohol, that kind of thing, and they want to improve their performance. So we have this two-pronged attack um, for helping people, and we do private coaching for corporate clients, and they can decide between us which is the best coach. Um, so So I'm very much, and I think I'm only really just scratching the surface of what I can do um, as a health coach because there's so many opportunities. Uh, so yeah, just growing the business all the time and um, absolutely loving it. And uh, you know, and, and I guess one of the last kind of last couple of business questions. But where do you think, where do you see the business going? Is this something where you're going to look to start to take on kind of people underneath your wing and 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 effectively? So you, you know, if you're you're obviously doing some great things for for, for a lot of people now, are you, are you looking at this as potentially something where you know you you start to build your own brand as as it were, and then start to and start to have people working for you who are who are kind of coaches that sit under under your umbrella and under your guidance and um, yes. is, is, is that something you see or you prefer to be sort of private yeah I, interesting people said that to me immediately as um when i became a health coach and actually i've had an approach from a lot of health coaches to say you know could i come to work for you could you sort of refer or um but i 
I must admit, having had lots of staff working for me over the years when I was in the sales um, roles, I don't really want that. And I'm very happy working on my own. I did have um, a conversation with a venture capitalist capitalist the other day. We were at uh, an event at a black tie dinner and I was sat next to this chap and he said, oh, what do you do? And I don't know. And he went, it was funny. He just went, you can't scale that. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, actually, no, I, I could, uh, but I don't want to. Um, but what I can scale for me is my personal income per hour, if that makes yeah. sense. So the more of the corporate things I do, and as I build that business, my my income has, I don't know, more than quadrupled for the hourly rate since I sort of started. And it just keeps growing. And um, I think you and I spoke about sort of day rates and things like that that I'm charging out to corporate clients. Yeah, I, I said it I said it was way too low. <laughs> yes, exactly. So but there's a bit of, not imposter syndrome, but when you're starting your business initially, um, and you want to offer, you know, really good value, and that has that has changed somewhat because I can see that I'm really helping people. And if I run a corporate event, I probably can get sort of three, four, five clients from that. So speaking to such large numbers really does um, does help that initial growth of uh, uh, of, of the business. So yeah, there's there's um, I don't see any um, time when I'm slowing the business down or um, but there's there's opportunities, so many opportunities. I guess one of the other attractions of being your own boss as well is that you can work the hours that you want to work, and presumably, uh, you're if you've now matched or exceeded your, you know, what you were making as a sales director, you're probably doing it at hours that suit you, and you're probably working fewer, you're probably working fewer hours as a consequence of that too. So, um, you know, it, it, on that basis, I think it's it's clearly worked out for you. In in terms of, um, I guess, in terms of other areas are you looking at doing kind of work online workshop seminars um you know courses books is is that kind of a step into the a step into the future um as as a as a as a sort of area of growth or, or where you can kind of grow your um grow your grow your client base yeah absolutely i've written um and been published in quite a lot of magazines um since i started i've been um on the radio quite a few times and uh, a book would be amazing. I would love to do that at some point. And it's, um, I always feel like life um, finds the right time for you to do various things. So I don't feel like I have to rush forward and do anything. I think there's definitely, it'll find me when the time is right. Um, but yes, I do have um, some targets. I'd really like to be published in a big um a big uh, publication, like a, you know, either, well, I have been in a couple of worldwide, but really, um, some titles in the UK that I'm looking to be published in. So that's on my target list for 2024. Um, and then just to grow um, and do, do more of the corporate work um, more regularly and um, and just build on that really. So that's my focus for, for next year. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Um, well, I, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see it. And, you know, I, I've, uh, I've been a big admirer of, of you taking this sort of leaf of faith and uh, yeah, very, very much very keen to support uh, the work that you're doing, that you're doing, because um, I mean, and what, what I think is really, what's really fascinating is you kind of, um, you sort of started with yourself, isn't it? You sort of the physician heal thyself, um, you know, uh, interestingly, so the, 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 the form of MS that you've got, presumably it's not the, you know, it's not as, it's not as degenerative as, as, the, as other forms as I, I have a sister who has, who has MS, but, and she's been sort of wheelchair bound since the sort of uh, late teens, early twenties. Um, I, th I think that 
timing of that was unfortunate because I think the the medications that are available now maybe would have would have retained a lot more of her motor functions uh, as a consequence. Um, but what sort of um, what sort of things did you did you do or were you able to do uh, to to effectively kind of correct these auto autoimmune um, issues that you had? You know, if you can just sort of give some high level examples of of some of the lifestyle changes that you you incorporated. Yeah, absolutely. When I look back now, um, my gut was so damaged. When I look at what I used to eat and the way I used to live, it's just extraordinary. So in my 20s and late 20s, well, no, mid 20s, I suppose I lived on pot noodles, literally. Um, and then when I was during my sales role out on the road all day, it would be a McDonald's for lunch, coffee for breakfast, and then a takeaway in the evening. So I was just living the worst possible um, dietary lifestyle. Um, and so I had to start from scratch and I'm absolutely convinced that I had what's called leaky gut syndrome. So, yeah. um, really did some huge damage, um, along the way. Plus the sort of things that you just automatically have during your lifetime and um, antibiotics, which is going to damage your gut and all these things. Um, I think that's what led to uh, the, I, I guess al alcohol. I mean, I know that alcohol is a big contributor to, to leaky gut as well. So I guess you, I, I imagine you were you know, as a sales, if you're out on the road and you're doing a sales role, um, yeah. we've talked about it a, a few times. Uh, you know, there's quite a lot of that. So uh, I just did a, a drinking, uh, I, I sort of, did, uh, I, I sort of did a drinking motion uh, for those that are, are not watching on YouTube. Um, so, so presumably that that's going to be a big, big contributor to that too. Yeah, absolutely. And when I um, had the diagnosis, I really sort of was in a denial for a little bit. But I um, people tell me I'm one of the most positive people that they know. And I believe in myself. I'm super positive. And so I just thought, actually, that's not going to be my label um, that I have MS and I'm just living that that life. So I... I have certain ways that I work with my own mind and um, some people look at me like I'm a bit insane, uh, but I believe the power of the mind is so, so strong that you can help fix yourself with that. Uh, so I don't allow, I didn't allow myself to ever research anything about MS um, because I believe the power of the mind can, if you read, oh, this might happen, then I think it's in your mind as a little worm and then you're looking for that mm. sort of thing to happen. So I, to this day, have still never, ever researched MS. I literally took the opportunity to research health, and that's the direction I took. Um, and so I changed my nutrition entirely, um, started exercising. I really wasn't doing any exercise at all. Um, I worked on my stress, started meditation, journaling, um, literally took back control of my sleep which was disjointed and disrupted and just all across the whole sort of uh, pillar all the pillars that I work with clients on actually the main pillars of health I just took control of all of them and it wasn't an overnight thing um, people always think I just literally went from Monday to Tuesday like a different person and not at all it took years really to change everything um, but I I do believe I'm one of the lucky ones that my symptoms were um, not as your, clearly your sister has incredible symptoms. Um, and so I take, um, I have to take uh, or, or be thankful for that. But I do believe I've helped myself by, I have this thing that I think that I only allow my th myself to think that I'm completely healthy and strong. So I don't allow any other thought to come into my head. If a, if a physical health thought comes in, I just push it away and think to myself that I'm healthy and strong. Yeah, I guess there's a, um, 
there's that whole there's a lot of discussion about gut brain access and um you know there's i guess if you can you know if 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 both if both you if your gut's in good health in, invariably your brain's in good health and therefore and i think that the point you make about manifestation i think it is quite key because you know i've had uh, i've had said you know had uh, orthopedic specialists saying to me oh, i can't believe i can't believe uh, someone who's had so many knee operations like you have uh, wouldn't need uh, wouldn't be needing a, a knee replacement by now and the, you know for me it's like well i you, you put the work in and you don't think about it you say right i need to i i need to focus on being healthy not preventing preventing something from happening so um i, I think that's uh, i think that's a really helpful mindset to share so let's talk about um, let's talk about um, things that people can do in 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 January, you know, and out after their overindulgence. What what would be your top tips for someone who's you know who's who's got to January the second, and um, as we said, they've regretted some of their like their life choices, uh, maybe not just over the preceding twelve day or, or you know sort of twelve days or even the the, the month of December, yeah. but perhaps going further back, you know, someone who's looking to make make changes. What what let's talk about what people can do starting you know i guess it's a it'll be a one foot in front of the other type of process but how how would you be advising clients um who maybe who who maybe have in, overindulged uh you know in the preceding month absolutely um i can give lots of lots of tips on that what i will say is um I, I, I hope people start to consider um, longevity um, because there's there's so much evidence now that, um, you know, we're going to get to our mid 60s. And um, I was at a conference recently and it was discussed that between out of five, sorry, out of six people, approximately five, um, when they get to 63, will have a chronic illness of sorts, a diabetes, a cancer um heart heart disease and and so although we're living into our 80s we're not living healthily into our 80s we're going to be all suffering with some sort of illness that's going to cause us to tablets we're going to reduce our mobility and live a you know a less than wonderful life um uh, when i speak to gps i, I talk to a lot of gps when, um <clears throat> during my time as a health coach and they're saying that people are very much like living in the moment and not looking at the future so i really hope that um with with people listening that we start to think about the longevity and um and uh another thing which um i always tell clients is one of the main reasons that people end up in nursing homes during that later stage of their life is because they're unable to get on and off the toilet and once that hits then you whether your brain is perfect and the rest of your body is fine um you know your heart's great everything else but this the mobility um mm. A lot of weights, absolutely great for your bone density and keeping that mobility and your balance and core strength. Um, but so there's a lot of things that I'm talking to clients about. But I, I I love the longevity piece really about living that long healthy life. Um, so as far as tips for the new year, um, I don't get too stressed with people. I, I mean, I'm just trying not to get too stressed about it. So it's got to be small steps that are going to make a big difference in the long run. Um, always with my clients we start off with a process where uh, we discover exactly where they are at right now and the goals that they want to put in I run a three-month program with clients in the first instance and so we'll start off with a three-month plan of exactly what they want to do in the first month second month and third month and they'll break it down some clients could say I want to start to do yoga or I want to walk 10,000 steps or I want to lose weight or whatever it is and 
with with my clients, I'm keeping them accountable every week. So they have this uh, cheerleader, this personal support, which is, I think, what makes it really work. And I'm helping them with behavior change, which everyone struggles with. Um, lots of people come away from the doctor or their other half says, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Or the doctor says, have you, you know, here's a leaflet about X, Y and Z. People just aren't doing it. So my my skill really with help with people is the behavior change element, uh, helping them put in the new uh, new positive behaviors. So as far as, like I say, the top tips for January, um, small steps, decide your goals, um, maybe perhaps get an accountability buddy that's going to help you, a friend or a family member that you can both be on track together because that's really important to have that support and work out why you want to do these things. Like if you want to lose weight or if you want to reduce your BMI or your waistline measurement, <clears throat> then decide what that is and the reason behind it so if you're you know going to live longer because your grandchildren's coming or uh, grandchild's on the way or you know you've got young children whatever it is whatever the reason is really establish that in the first instance because that's going to give you the motivation uh, yeah absolutely uh, in terms of in terms of the goals that we that people want to set themselves um you know, and I and I speak as someone who 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 set let's say weight loss goal weight weight loss goals for myself, and and I think the difficulty is that um, you know you sometimes we set ourselves goals which are unachievable, and then and I think that the minute the the problem with sometimes I think in my experience is that um, sometimes the goal is the problem. Yeah. You know, if you if you make a goal so difficult, so unattainable. Um, I mean, I can think of someone who who went to see a personal trainer, was put on a calorie plan, and the problem was that this person was probably consuming three to three and a half thousand calories a day, mm-hmm. um, wasn't consuming a lot of protein, and then was being asked to go down to fifteen hundred or twelve hundred calories a day um, to hit an arbitrary uh, weight loss target over, say, an eight to twelve week period. Okay. But the problem was. It's too it's too much of an extreme. You're, you're asking someone, in my opinion, you're asking someone to 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 make too much of a stark change to what they're already doing. 100%. And, I, and I guess that's is is that you know it, I, I I quite like um, the online um, sort of health and fitness coach um, James Smith, and he 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 talks about one kind of one kilo at a time. Is that is that kind of the approach and guidance that you would you would typically say to to pe- to our listeners if they're looking to yeah. to kind of lose weight and get get fitter? If you're if you're looking to lose weight, <clears throat> for me, there's a number of different ways, but it really is small steps. Um, with my clients, we work on the blood sugar balancing formula, um, and I can share that with your listeners if they join my mailing list. You can get a copy of that. It's um, a way of eating that's really simple. It's good whole food diet, high protein, removing like the refined carbs and the high sugars and things like that. Um, And it balances your moods. It reduces inflammation in your body. uh, It gives you more energy and it will ensure that you don't want to snack and you don't need to reach for things because you've been satiated and you have the right amount of food. Um, Every client that works with it loses weight, loses a really good amount of weight in a good amount of time and just feels that it's the it's an optimum way of eating. There's not any crazy drinks or sachets or any crazy stuff like that. It's just a whole food diet. Um, But there's a meal plan included in my um, my ebook. That's the blood sugar balancing. And then for, for clients that I'm speaking with, it's really small steps. So 
for example, if uh, someone comes to me and says, oh, I eat a sandwich, a packet of crisps and a chocolate bar every day of the week, five days a week, Monday to Friday, that's my situation. Then I, I wouldn't expect them to stop that day, have salad every day, um, you know, whatever it is, because that's just impossible. So I'm very much small steps. So I say, right, Tuesday and Thursday next week, I would say remove the crisps and remove the chocolate and buy a punnet of strawberries and a couple of apples. And so you're just gradually doing it. And what happens is that as soon as you've made that small choice, it feels better. And so that is what the kickstart is, because actually you'll think, hang on a minute, that did feel nicer. My stomach was more settled. I didn't feel so hungry later in the afternoon. I had the fiber from the fruit and the vitamins and the cortisol reduction that berries will give you. So small changes and then just see how that feels. Um, some clients come to me and say, I don't eat breakfast or whatever they're doing. But if you test something out, so just try and have breakfast two days a week if you haven't got time the rest of the week and see how you feel. Like measure the example of what you did and you'll soon see that actually you'll feel feel better and that engages you and motivates you to carry on. Do you uh, do you typically try to start with diet or uh, start with the, with the, with the client's diet? Um, so if you know if you're in in January, let's say, would you would you say to someone rather than because we all know that you know gyms in January, gym memberships in January go, go through the roof, and you know come the first of February, the you know the, the gym okay. is back to the gym is very much back to normal. Um, do you start? To, do you try to start with the diet first and then incorporate exercise, or are you trying to? Or are you trying to do a bit of both uh, or should, should people be trying to do a bit of both? Yeah, if it's a weight management situation, um, then absolutely a bit of both. With um, with my clients, I'm working in a literally holistic way. So we are looking at their sleep, their alcohol, uh, their movement, their nutrition. So when we design their goals at the very beginning, if their goals are mainly to lose weight, then that's what we would focus on. And so it would be a mixture of exercise, you know, more movement um, and and the nutrition side of things. Um, some people come to me and um, want to be training for a, a sports event. So we'd look at sleep, we'd look at alcohol, we'd look then at the picture of the training. You know, it really depends on on the, what the goals are. And, and in terms of, uh, I suppose, in, speaking of alcohol, um, you know, how... You, you know, there's a lot of people who then sort of try and go from, you know, all the beer to no beer, you know, yeah. the, <laughs> the, you know, the dry Jan. And again, you, you know, that, that sounds really like a really good idea in, in principle, but, you know, to try and, if you've gone from drinking nearly every day for, you know, months, months on end to yeah. no alcohol at all, um, that to me feels like something that's going to be very hard to follow. Um how how do you approach kind of alcohol reduction uh, in you know particularly say in in January or you know or, or when someone feels that they want to cut cut back on alcohol? Yeah, I think as humans, that's unsustainable to just cut something off so drastically. Some people can do it, but in the main, it's difficult to to keep to that and sustain it without finding it really awful and difficult. So I have um, a word that I use with clients that I do not want anyone to feel deprived and I believe if we can get our health to about 85% of good nutrition good movement and then the other 15 10 or 15% to like actually have some enjoyment around those different things that you do like like a glass of you know bubbles or whatever at the weekend um and so again depending on what the, the client wants if they are looking to reduce their alcohol uh, we'll put in the targets for reducing and that will be say on a night out uh, one drink followed by a glass of water, followed by um, something of lesser alcohol, 
or making some non-alcoholic choices for some of those evenings that you normally would. So all different um, scenarios, really. Yeah, I, I, interestingly, the you know we've had a couple of um, non-drinkers come on the podcast recently, and um, we had Hugh Wade Jones come on. Um, Hugh's he's about to become the most listened to. Um, podcast in, in of the Property Funder podcast series um, shortly this week. Um, it, there's been a really fantastic response to him, but he he, ha, he gave a really useful tip for people around, um, uh, particularly for salespeople, uh, around um, business development meetings. And so um, rather than doing the lunch or the dinner, which inevitably creates that, you, you know, requires that slightly awkward Shall we have a bottle of wine? Shall we have a beer? Shall we have a cocktail type of uh, type of interaction? No, he 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 would try and um, move meetings as far as possible to the beginning of the morning. So try and do them as breakfasts. Um, so you know, so I thought that that was quite a nice uh, nice strategy and, and nice tactic. But yeah, but again, speaking of um, speaking of alcohol, though, like you, you know, alcohol and and also I suppose dietary stuff as well. Um, I don't, you, what, from what I've noticed, I don't think you're particularly evangelical about, you know, no alcohol, no, you know, you were just, you, you were telling me off air that you you just been in Munich. So in, I'm sure, I'm sure John had a beer if you didn't, uh, and I'm sure you didn't tell him off for having a beer. Um, and presumably as well, you know, there's, I guess nothing's completely verboten when it comes to food choices as well, as long as it's kind of in, as part of a balanced diet and, and in moderation is it is that fair to say or are you are there some particular sort of non-negotiables when no, it comes to food not really no i'm not evangelical in fact it's quite funny john was trying to get me to try the beer in munich and i'm not a beer person but he was he was just like oh it's so lovely um but i, I did have a glass a couple of glasses of um bubbles uh, definitely um because i don't want to feel deprived and i do enjoy a glass of wine here and there um i also enjoy a bit of chocolate People often say to me, oh, I bet you drink green tea all day. And I really don't. I like coffee. You know, I like all the things in life that we all enjoy. Um, but what I'm doing as much as possible is pushing the good things into my body, um, the healthy foods, as many vegetables and fruit as I can possibly. Um, I almost on some days sort of tally it up. I'm like, oh, I had four there, two there, three there. And so um, it's that is my focus is just as much of the healthiest food as possible as I can um, muster. And then the odd occasional treats, you know, because I think life um, is enjoyable with having um, a balanced approach. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think I think that's what's key there is and what I find encouraging is that, you know, if someone, you know, if, whether they choose to work with you or not, you know, someone listening to this can kind of feel like actually, you know, you, you don't need to live like a monk to to be able to achieve the health goals that you want. And um, I, I think one I think one of the issues, but one of the I think one of the challenges that we obviously have in the social media age, though, and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, is that um some of the body images that people see online um, kind of create this sort of, I guess, is it body mis body dysmorphia where people, you know, where people sort of feel inadequate um, not kind of not being themselves because they're, 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 they're questing to too high a standard um, of a body shape or body image, um, you know, and, and ultimately being healthy doesn't, in fact, doesn't require you to, to have a six pack or have a, you know, a uh, body fat percentage under 5% or something like that. I mean, where, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I agree. There's far too much. It's just um, incredible. And people really beat themselves up because they don't reach those goals. And, you know, it's, it's, it's 
it's unobtainable it really is it's just not it's not real and um there's filters and you know people cutting their pictures and making them look making themselves look different i think it's it's not a great situation we find ourselves in and for our kids actually i think um they're going to have an interesting time it was very different we when we grew up um and so with clients i'm very much working on their confidence um a lot of people I work with come to me and we talk about where their joy is at. Um, when I work with females and they're at their age where they're hitting perimenopause and they've raised their children and they've got this stressful job and they're balancing all these plates, um, you know, joy is one of the things that really doesn't come up for them. And so I'm helping them with their joy, with their confidence. And that then in turn gives you the confidence to actually feel good in yourself and your body and whatever shape you are. Um, and and so I'm taking away from any of that focus on social media and building a client up. I've got a new client that just started yesterday. Absolutely amazing because I can just see so many areas where she's going to be lifted. She's going to feel incredible. Her life will absolutely change. And um, I'm, ta I'm not, it sounds like, uh, what am I trying to say? I'm taking someone in this rather sort of disheveled form um, that their health is bad, their confidence is low, you know, all these areas. And when she finishes my program, she will be a different woman. And it's just the best job ever. I just love, love it. So I'm really excited. By, yeah. yeah must be must be really fulfilling to see the transformation of some of so many of the clients that you that you've worked with um last question in terms of sort of the january detox and i guess we're gonna have to wind down because i know you've got to you've got to dash um but uh, but i definitely want to definitely want to bring uh, have you back and, and and do this again soon um for those people who 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 smoke or maybe have a um you know or or, or even smoke i smoke, smoke nicotine smoke tobacco and or, or, or potentially do other substances as well um you'll have experience of working with those people to try and help them cut back or immediate or ultimately eliminate those things yeah what would be your advice to someone you know who, who who's wanting to stop smoking or cut back on their smoking or or, or other or other substances what's your what would be your advice to someone there looking to sort of dial that back a bit yeah absolutely i have I had a couple of clients who i've helped stop smoking um and so it's one of, that's one of my sort of deal breakers, things like that, that I just think actually that should not be included in your don't feel deprived. So that's a, that's a sort of a, a, a no go as far as I'm concerned, as much as possible to just get those damaging things out of your life. Um, so it's a real structured approach, like a, th a several pronged approach um, using facilities that are available throughout the NHS and support of a coach and putting um, a plan in place for gradually reducing whether a client um, wants to use some of the um, nicotine patches, that kind of thing. So I'm supporting them alongside that. Um, and just we put in a target day and, you know, all the things that we'd normally do. And then um, what's the um, when you um, actually take some of the focus away from it and uh sort of uh deviate your thoughts into so just just like a distraction almost like a distraction type of approach yeah. yeah absolutely so there's several ways to do it and support people in that in that journey yeah okay well great well listen um we're obviously out of time uh time now and uh so would love to i think I've, i sort of feel like we've got so much more ground to cover so um i can't wait to to have you back on again uh so maybe we'll schedule that in for for a few weeks time maybe because i think actually once people get to the end of january and they sort of be like right okay my healthy lifestyle is my my attempts at healthy lifestyle are over um perhaps we can sort of say no actually 
let's carry that back on. So we'll we'll maybe have you back on uh, in a few weeks if you've got the time, and we'll uh, and we'll try and talk to you then and, and keep people motivated, and inspired to uh, maintain their healthy lifestyle goals. Um, in the meantime, and obviously this episode should be going out uh, in the beginning of January. Um, if anyone does want to, um, if anyone does want to reach out to you, Sarah, um, to talk to you, uh, either to talk to you about uh, any of their individual issues or, or work with you as a client, but either individually on a private basis or as a or, or on a corporate basis, uh, what's the best uh, best way for people to get hold of you? You know, do you want to share your social tags and things like that? Um, and uh, we can um, we can sort of uh, people can can reach out to you individually. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. Um, so my website is sarahstannard.com. And my um, Instagram is Sarah Stannard Health Coaching. Um, I am on LinkedIn again, Sarah Stannard Health Coaching. Um, and uh, you can get me on email at sarah at sarahstannard.com. That's amazing. Well, Sarah, thank you very much for, for joining us. I know you've got a dash. So uh, uh, wishing you all the best. Have a hope you have a, a good Christmas and, and a happy new year. And uh, yeah, look, hope, uh, I'm sure our listeners will have enjoyed and got a lot out of today's conversation. Lovely. Good to see you, Michael. Thanks so much. Thank you. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.